Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Reckless A Talk, our TTRPG interview show, where we sit down with some of our favorite writers, players, GMs, and streamers to get to know a little bit more about what makes them who they are. I am excited to introduce you all to today's guest, which eagle-eared, um, wait, do eagles hear well, whatever, uh, keen listeners may be familiar with Kendrick Kendo Smith Vahey. Producer and storyteller at Actual Play Podcast Tales Yet Told and Sci-Fi Actual Play Livestream Prayers in the Static, among a great many other places. Kendo was one of the first people we met here in the space and one of my favorite tellers of stories in it. They have won multiple awards for their game running skills just in the last year, including at the New Jersey Web Fest, and alongside their excellent cast and co-creators, makes some of the most thematic, thoughtful, and fun stuff in the space. After a few minutes of being confused about who, what, and where we were, he and I sat down to talk about the power of listening and communication, nostalgia, the meaning of escapism, and the magic of player agency, and so much more. I think this is a really special one because, well, Kendo is a really special creator, and I believe players and creators of all experience levels get something out of today's episodes. Other than reminding you that links to all their stuff is available in the show notes, I will stop this preamble and let you get in to this Reckless to Talk with Kendo. Enjoy, and see you next week. Why, hello there, Kendo. What? Hello there, Nathan. What a surprise to see you here on this pre-scheduled phone call. Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen and or heard from you. Yeah. <laughs> and we are but two ships passing in the night and have not been talking for several minutes Absolutely before not. we hit record at yeah, all. No. Uh, how are you today? I'm doing just fine. You know, I it's <laughs> it's it's a it's a Friday. I don't know if this I was about to say if this dates it as if there's only one Friday that exists. Kendo, I have terrible news for you. Yeah. I have terrible news for you. It's not Today's Friday. Saturday. It's Saturday. <laughs> oh my goodness. I I'm so sorry. I'm I, so sorry. I guess that really gives you an ins- a little bit of yeah. an insight into where <laughs> into where my mind is at the yeah. moment. Man, I get that very deeply, and I am not judging you. I'm only trying to be a kind friend in this moment of being like, you know, hey, listener, let the first who has not confused what day it was be the first to cast stones, you know? Yeah. Don't judge me, all right? Yeah. That- We've all done it at least once. <laughs> this isn't this isn't the podcast for you if you're judging people for forgetting today is not Friday, even yeah. though you're hopefully listening to this on a Thursday to make it even more confusing. Oh my goodness, so many days. Time warp. Uh, but hey, I, I am super excited to talk to you, Kendo. But for the listeners at home who are definitely not judging you for not knowing what day of the week it is, uh, who, 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 who are you? Hi. Tell, tell everyone. Yeah. You are, your pronouns, where they can find you, what they might know you from, all the good stuff. Awesome. Well, my name is Kendrick, or Kendo, if you prefer. I use they, he pronouns. And... <laughs> <laughs> I accidentally almost went into my opening monologue for Tales Get Told. Man, where I was is... about to say, and with me today is my wife. Yes. We we at, at Reckless Attack have been 
deeply conditioned. Like we say our character names in the mm-hmm. same way. We say it in the same order. It's always, it's, it's, it's safe space. Very understood. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, uh, I am the producer and GM of Tales Yet Told, an actual play podcast. I am also uh, the host and and primary GM and facilitator. Yeah, for that, the seems, time that makes being. sense. Yeah, of Prayers in the Static, an actual play live stream. Uh, that is based in a collaboratively built sci-fi setting that is being built as we play with uh, our rotating cast of people who join us every other Friday. Um, I am, oh God, I'm trying to remember all the things I'm in. I, that, I, see, and that's that's the trick of it, is that I I do a lot of research in these, but also like I know I will fuck it up if I try to introduce you. And so that's why I always place the burden on you, the guest. <laughs> no, that's so, so valid. Oh, uh, I also play uh, Balthazar Baby Baker on Road to Heaven, a magical girl mecha actual play podcast. It's very good. <laughs> and also, depending on when you're listening to this, I also play Scarlet Morset. <laughs> Roy to heaven. Um, my my very angry child, both of whom should not be soldiers. But should any child be a soldier? That's the question we That's ask. Of Roy to if you want to, if you want to watch an actual play podcast about should there be children soldiers, Roy to heaven is the one for you. Yeah, go listen to Roy to heaven. Because the answer is no. I'm just a spoiler. The spoiler, answer yes. always no. Children should not be soldiers. But, well, there you go. We we saved you some time on Road to Heaven, I guess, is the, answer, the big no, no, takeaway. No, no. no, because the but there is that it's cool when they are, <laughs> and you give them big robots. Mm, then it's kind mm. of, it's at least kind of fun. <laughs> There's food for thought there. Food yeah. for thought there is how cool do the mechs need to be to make it pretty cool and okay. Exactly. Mm. If Gundam These has are... taught me anything, the bigger the robot, the bigger the gun, and the flashier the thing it is, the more gray area we <laughs> enter when we start putting children in it to fight each yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah. That ain't ain't that the way. Ain't, ain't that, that just the way. The way. <laughs> so, Kendo, you I think you were one of the people who we met pretty early on kind of entering into the tabletop role playing game space. Um and always and and you were very interesting, both just as a human being, because you are cool, but also because you, like uh, like many I would come to learn, certainly strayed away from doing D&D as your kind of main, your main podcast of choice. Season one of Tales Yet Told being kids on bike. Yeah, kids on bikes. Kids is, on, many kids on one bike. Actually, it's Babes in the Wood. Oh, it's Babes in the Woods. You're right. God damn it. Cut it out. Cut it. Future Nathan, cut it out. Cut it out. This is, it's all being left in. All of it. All of the the day of the week things. All of it. It's all getting left. That's what I meant. Yes. Duh. Um, You are very much someone who plays a lot of different games. So um, I kind of will start this off in the way that I start off all of these interviews, but with kind of special credence to you as someone who plays a lot of different games. How did you kind of get sucked into and introduced to tabletop role-playing games as both a hobby and and storytelling uh, uh, vehicle. Yeah, so I got into tabletop RPGs, or more specifically Dungeons & Dragons 4th edition, when I was in high school. My uh, In my junior year, my friend Robin, uh, she taught 
or didn't teach me. She told me about this <laughs> magical thing called Dungeons and Dragons where you could play pretend and tell stories with your friends. At the time, this was also like before actual plays really existed. And yeah, so, for you was like there were a couple, but nothing like it is now. Yeah, for sure. like the thing that got me into it was the uh, Penny Arcade um, yep, same. Acquisition Incorporated games DM'd by Chris Perkins. And also, and this not being actual play, but are <laughs> I keep having to bring this up every time someone asks me. Are you familiar <laughs> uh, with, um, uh, God, what was it called? Are you familiar with that guy with the glasses? No, I don't think so. Okay, so there was this website called thatguywiththeglasses.com. While it was focused on a specific person and their brand, mm-hmm. uh, it also had a collection of other people who reviewed things, uh, be it comics, music, movies, whatever it was. Uh, and one of the people uh, in there, their name was uh, his name is Spoonie. Um, he had a separate website called The Spoonie Experiment, and he in that he had a show called Counter Monkey, uh, where he was talking about essentially his days in the past where he... Uh, worked at comic book shops, played tabletop games, so on and so forth. And a lot of, like, my early ideas of what tabletop games were came from listening and watching those videos of him talking about games that I still haven't played, like Thieves World. And <laughs> uh, he, had a, he had a video on... There's an Alice in Wonderland module for 3.5, and he has this whole story about it where apparently the... Um, the Dormouse is, like, a level, like, 25 monk and, like, <laughs> kick their ass and stuff. And, like, so a lot of, like, those stories are what really inspired me to get into the game. And I started off playing Dungeons & Dragons 4th Edition. By the time I was in, like, my freshman year of college, that's when D&D Next came out. Um, and then from there, got into D&D 5th Edition. But as far as, like, my exploration into games outside of Dungeons & Dragons, that's actually, like, relatively recently. Like, within the past year, or I guess more like year and a half at this point, uh, where I was on TikTok, uh, tragically. And I <laughs> and I was a part of like the 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 like D and D TikTok like group were like talking about like all of these different things and through there I met uh, a good friend of mine Kirby who is uh, disaster tourism who makes wonderful wonderful indie games who essentially introduced me to like this kind of community within TikTok called mm-hmm. Beggar Talk. Uh, where people would beg people to play games that weren't Dungeons and Dragons and would like try to, in varying degrees of success, uh, try to introduce people to new tabletop games. And um, that's like how I got introduced to the world of indie TTRPGs. And from there, I've spiraled to now I only play t- indie <laughs> TTRPGs. Yeah. But I wouldn't go back. <laughs> so so I'm already super interested in kind of that chronology. So were you were you starting to play D&D? Yeah. And consuming the videos that were kind of like retellings and stories and kind of recaps or did one kind of start before the other? Because yeah, for me it was all it was all actual plays and a little bit of playing, but it's all actual plays and I think a lot about how that shaped my brain around Mm -hmm. them but like hearing secondhand stories and 
reenactments of it is a very different experience. So I'm, I'm kind of curious how that interplayed into your brain. Yeah, I think there were... I, like my getting into the game kind of coincided with mm-hmm. like intaking a lot of this media and like because of again actual plays not being that big of a thing and like acquisitions incorporated happening like once a year like yeah. the <laughs> <So> then, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the vast majority of the content that I was taking were secondhand stories of people talking about their games not necessarily watching people play yeah. in an actual huh. play. And so that is what really formed my idea of what it was, was less of like, oh, this is how you play the game. Like, I'm listening to people play, but listening to people talk about their experiences playing the game. Does that still resonate, like, that feeling for you of, like, the almost, like, pushing aside of the mechanics and of the whatever and just kind of, like, that narrative arc of what the experience was? Does that still kind of, like ring true to you just as someone who has listened to your shows do you think that like influenced you yeah i think like probably to a certain degree right like i i mean i haven't really done the deep uh self psychoanalysis Mm -hmm. on that um but like i would imagine so because as like if you listen to any of my stuff i am not super focused on mechanics or i tend to choose games that have very light mechanics um that are uh easy for me to manipulate to do the thing that I want. Um, (laughs) Or I choose a game that already does the thing that I want, so I don't have to do that. And it's light enough that I can still focus on what I want to be doing, and the mechanics just help support that. And so, like, yeah, I feel... Yeah, it probably did have an effect, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, it's just interesting. Because, again, I, I was actual play pretty much only, and people talked about kind of the games behind the scenes stuff but yeah. not not in the same way and that's a very interesting different way to approach things I yeah think. like because when i was watching acquisitions incorporated like my brain wasn't like this is an actual play because like that yeah, term yeah. didn't exist right no like those like the 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 language for that and our understanding of what it was was completely different and outside of acquisitions incorporated i didn't really watch anything else because it didn't mm-hmm. exist i didn't get into actual plays until maybe like 2017 uh when i was a delivery driver and i had lots and lots of time to be (laughs) listening to things and like um i gosh i don't even know how i i guess i just looked on spotify for a thing i think i just looked up dungeons and dragons on spotify (laughs) or something i don't even really know because there was i didn't have a i Almost all of my friends that I have played with, especially during my college time and anything like that, I have been the person to introduce uh, tabletop RPGs to them. So not a lot of people were bringing new information to me. I don't even know <laughs> how I learned about actual plays. I truly don't. Because the first one that I like listen to as this is an actual play podcast that I'm listening to is Drunkards and Dragons. Uh, yes. Which was a D and D four E podcast that eventually became is something yeah, else now. And I, dragons, I, yeah. Well, it's Greetings Adventurers, I believe. Oh yes, yes, yes. One. Yeah, it is Greetings Adventurers now. And like, I started listening to that, and then eventually, like, one of my friends was like, "You should listen to the Adventure Zone." And I was like, "All right, I'll give this a try." And then I listened to it. And I'm like, "Oh, this is actually really good." And then, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. from there, I started getting more and more and more into actual play stuff. But like, 
there was I don't even really know the impetus of me getting into actual play content as a genre. Um, it just kind of happened organically, I guess. So looking back, as you were kind of starting to get into playing and and consuming these kind of secondhand stories, what about playing tabletop role-playing games really kind of like started to hook you, uh, at least in those early days, knowing it may have changed as you have, have kind of continued to play and consume and whatnot? I think the thing that's always hooked me is the... It's not just the telling a story with your mm. friends. It is... Okay, now that I'm thinking about it, it did have an effect on me. It's the talking about the games that you're playing with your friends, mm -hmm. like, about, like, with them, right? Being able to, like, in high school, spending time in the cafeteria during lunch, being like, oh, remember when this thing happened in the game that yeah. we played last week? I can't wait for our next game. I spent, <laughs> uh, if any teacher of mine, there's no way, uh, is listening to this, I'm so sorry. I spent the vast majority of every single class period I had looking at PDFs of Dungeons & Dragons 4th edition <laughs> uh, mid-class just like being like oh these are cool monsters or oh like building characters I would never be able to play uh, thinking about what I'm going to do in the next session writing notes for games that I was going to run like really it was just the experience of being able to really immerse myself in yeah. the act of telling a story um, oh, cool. and mm -hmm. the act of sharing that story with people that you were playing with and then being able to reminisce on it later as like, oh, it was super cool for us to be able to explore this story or fight this character or do whatever. So that that's a that's a very interesting and kind of different answer, I feel like, in a, in, a, in some ways than I've heard from some other people. So how... How relational is that? Is that for you? Where like, is it is it about kind of you being grounded in the moment and telling a story and experiencing it with other people? Or is it kind of the act of, of telling the story with everyone? Like kind of where's the, knowing it's a mix probably, but yeah. where's kind of the, where are you on the, the spectrum of that? I think it's definitely along the latter one of like telling a story with other people. Cause if I was mm -hmm. just like in it for like telling a story, but like I would write books if that, yeah. <laughs> like if that was what it was. Right. I like the collaborative communal aspect of telling a story with other people and then being able to have conversations with those people about stories that we've told together. Mm -hmm. um, that is what I think is really interesting and fun and like it uh i have like the same kind of like experience doing improv where if i like having an improv set and like because in the moment of doing improv you're not really thinking about it too much you're just mm -hmm. kind of reacting and doing it and then afterwards when you're all getting drinks at a bar after the show you're like oh that was so wild and yeah. like oh that was a good choice great gift thank <laughs> you so much like oh that was, like that kind of thing is really really interesting and fun to me there's something kind of communal about it yeah that makes it feel like i don't know it's almost like a ritual of sorts mm -hmm. uh that can be very cathartic in a lot of ways and uh really lends itself towards like lends the medium towards that idea of um escapism of being able to like escape into these other stories despite the fact i have a very different idea of what escapism is than i feel like a lot of people do uh 
and like uh, being able to immerse yourself in that story and the things that you learn from it and sharing it with other people who were a part of that experience and being able to focus in on these things specifically and being able to now share them, not just with the people I played with, but with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I have to ask, what is your definition of escapism that's different than other people's definition of escapism? Okay. Uh, so Ooh. I think traditionally people tend to think of escapism as this is the thing I do to escape from reality. I don't yeah, have to think of this is the thing. That is fundamentally untrue about stories <laughs> because stories, good stories, and stories that we care about are stories that affect us, stories that we learn from, which means by definition, you have to be engaging with it on an emotional mm. or intellectual level. The mm -hmm. difference here is that because it is happening to a person that is not you, you can explore things that could be personally harmful to you in a safe environment mm. where... Mm -hmm. It, like art and storytelling are not places where we escape and we don't think about the real world. We don't think about real problems. You're just processing them through other people doing them. And yeah. then you can learn from that without like, and especially in games, like people process their own yes. feelings through their characters that they're playing, NPCs that they're interacting with. They're processing very real emotions, being mm -hmm. something personal about themselves, their sexuality, their gender, their uh, relationship with their parents or siblings or their relationship with their friends or how they interact uh, or deal with trauma. Like these are all very important aspects about ourselves that we explore through storytelling and games. And that is still escapism, but it does not mean that, it's like, oh, La La Land, we're not thinking about anything because that's not what a story is. Like that at no point in the history of telling stories has stories just been purely entertainment. There is always yeah. something emotionally grounding there. Um, and a lot of, and it, this is an argument that I've gotten into people when thinking about <laughs> critically analyzing the stories that we're telling or being intentional with the way mm -hmm. we tell stories, because regardless of if you think it's quote unquote escapism or not, it still has a very real effect on yeah. the people you're telling it with yourself yeah. as a person who is telling the story and an audience who is receiving that story. And so mm -hmm. I, I have very, I just have, I get, I, it's. I, I hate it when people use my game as escapism as an excuse to do shitty things in their games. <laughs> Where, well, like, I, I, I can mean, put yes. racism and <laughs> colonialism and slavery in my game because it's escapism and I should be able to do whatever I want in a fantasy world. And it's like, that's not what that means. <laughs> you can't no. just, you have, no. That, that I think more people definitely agree on that one. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, yeah, I uh, would hope. It's complicated. Yeah. Whatever. Sadly. Um, so, so I, I, I will, for the listener who's not familiar with your shows, with the stuff that you're doing, uh, we'll kind of get into, you know, what they are uh, mm -hmm. in, in a little bit. But something that, is, that I've always really appreciated about the games that, you've, that you run, about the, the things that I've seen you play in, the one that I have been in, is that there's a lot of just hilarious stuff, a lot of great imagery, a lot of heartwarming stuff, a lot of, you know, just like niceness, certainly. But also there is a lot of heaviness in, in the tales and stories. The tales that you <laughs> have been told. I, the the tales we're telling yeah. <laughs> in the present. <laughs> exactly. Tales been being told. Being told. Tales, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
And I think a lot of a lot of shows do that. A lot of people do it, right? Like you said, that is a way to engage with those sort of topics and themes for a lot of people in a in a safe way. Um, hopefully, always in a safe way. Yeah. And so, so for you, is that something that you kind of sit down intentionally to kind of think about as you're going in, um, and kind of like you know, this is something that I've been really thinking about lately, or something that occurred to me that I'd like to explore, or knowing that you are a, a, a game runner who does a lot of improv, who doesn't necessarily write every last detail out and tries to kind of let it flow at the table. How do you, how do you experience, inject, interact with kind of those heavy themes when you're going in, uh, you know, for a session, for a campaign, for whatever? Yeah. So I feel like, a lot of the themes and like a lot of the themes and uh, I'm trying to find another word, but I think themes is the only word yeah. that I'm looking for here. The themes, uh, the themes that we end up playing with are very emergent in a way where mm -hmm. I, like you said, I don't prep <laughs> really. I, 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 I've, Done, I've recently done more prep than I ever have in my entire <laughs> life for anything. Um, uh, for uh, for Whispers in the Sea, but uh, mm -hmm. very much for uh, Strangers in the Woods. I We went into my pitch for Strangers in the Woods when I brought everyone together was, hey... Um, I, I want to have a podcast that I want to do an actual play podcast. I think you all would be really good for it. I want to come season season one of tales yet told yes. for, for the listeners. Yes. Yeah, so this is season one of tales yet told before anything before this is the impetus of uh, strangers in the woods and tales yet told mm -hmm. as a whole where I was like, Hey, this is like June ish uh, where I'm like, Hey, I wanted to make an actual play podcast. I think it would be really cool. Um, I want it to come out around the fall and I think that would be a perfect timing to do something that is over the garden wall themed. Cause mm -hmm. I think I had done a watch with it with uh, my roommate, um, like around that time for whatever reason. It's the, it's the season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well in June. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I thought you're saying that you had watched it in fall and then it came back around. And it's like, Oh, I want to launch it in fall, yeah. but yeah, it's not no. necessarily a June property, but it is good year round. So, yeah, exactly. So we watched it in June, and I was like, oh, this would be cool. So I got everyone together, and I was like, let's do this. And I knew I knew immediately that when I wanted to do something, and this goes with basically everything I create, is that I try to do things with a lot of intention, and I don't try mm -hmm. to do things that just for the sake of doing them. Mm -hmm. uh, because as you and I both know, there are hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of actual play podcasts. And I did not want to make one that was just going to be another, all right, blah, 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 blah. We're going to, uh, D and D, uh, fantasy adventure, uh, Eurocentric, uh, <laughs> medieval world, uh, throw it out there. Cool. Awesome. Not that there, there's anything inherently wrong with that. Right. But it was not a thing that I was interested in doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like, Hey, I want to do this. I want to use over the garden wall as like kind of a basis, but I want to explore new things within this. Um, and like uh, with over the garden wall, there is like this heavy tone of nostalgia within it. Um, and as cool that I, as I think it is, there was 
I think like a new season of like Stranger Things was like being announced, and like there was a bunch of things that were coming out and have been coming out for the past couple of years that take place in the eighties for some reason, and <laughs> mm-hmm. like I was really kind of really wanted to explore this like kind of idea of like forced nostalgia and even mm-hmm. like weaponized mm-hmm. nostalgia in a way mm-hmm. um, of using aesthetics using whitewashed aesthetics of a time and place that maybe people aren't like familiar with and then forcing it on them as like, haha, remember the eighties to a bunch of people who wouldn't be alive for like another decade. <laughs> once the eighties happen. Right. Right. The millennial, the current millennial problems, basically. Exactly. Right. And it's so I, I really, I was interested in how to play with that sort of like, okay, let's do something that's set in the eighties but, like, being very cognizant of what media tells us what the 80s are and what actually the 80s were to a lot of people. (laughs) And and that was kind of, like, the start of it, of being like, okay, let's do same thing. Kids get lost in the woods, but they get lost in a kind of weird 80s kind of forest autumnal world, which I thought was just a cool aesthetic as well. Like, oh, this would be great. Correct. And and then also playing within that, okay, why would someone make this weird forest world the 80s if, again, it's over the garden wall and Babes in the Wood also has this idea of, like, the, cre- like the person who is in control of this weird shadow world who changes the shape of it to their whims to be able to do whatever it is that they want to do. Why would someone choose the 80s? And, like, what is it that they are trying to push onto people using the 80s? And what is deeply seeded within that uh, that is kind of also tied into that era and and aesthetic? Uh, And, like, that was... So that was, like, my idea. That was as much prep I had done for Strangers in the Woods. I told my players, and I'm like, okay, that's really cool. They made characters, and we started playing. And it evolved over time where I think you can tell, like, the first two and a half arcs are very deeply rooted in that idea. And all of it kind of is still, uh, mm-hmm. but it's very, it's like very heavily rooted in the eighties aesthetic for eighties horror and like cabin in the woods kind of deals, like the diner and like a, what was supposed to be a long arc that took place inside of the school mm-hmm. that was going to be very breakfast clubby <laughs> and then quickly did not become that. It was not so, that. It was, it was not. The, none of those things. It was in, in many ways. <laughs> it was none of those things. But thank you, players. No, 100%. And I think that's really when... I think the episodes in the school for the third arc it is when Strangers in the Woods takes a life of its own and really comes into its own. Of like, this is what this story is going to be. These are who these characters are going to, uh, are going to be and what they're going to be dealing with. And, like, I never could have imagined that at, like, when we first planned it, but really allowing my players to have agency and control over who their characters are, what their characters want to do, and what they're interested in as players for what they want to be playing um, really helped uh, take it to an entirely new level that I don't think I would have been able to do without them. So, and and I mean, I think that is certainly the case. It becomes, it is not... 
I mean, it is still, like you said, kind of about the Force nostalgia and that sort of things, but is obviously there's a lot of other things. There is, it is family dynamics. It is identity. It is, you name it, <laughs> trauma. Yeah. It is, oh, by the way, trauma. Oh, did I mention dealing with trauma as a, as a big theme? There is so much trauma I push on these children, and I... It's that is a thing that I, I constantly am having to balance my with for myself as being like, I know that there are a lot of people, especially within our audience, that have um, trauma related to things happening to children or young people. Mm -hmm. And it's a thing sure. I, I'm constantly having to balance doing yeah. a horror game. And with, this tra and these traumas too. Like yeah. they're not just like they're not the trauma of oh there's an axe murderer. It is like the trauma of not being not being seen as a real person and like yeah. it's <laughs> like, like yeah. real human shit. The real human uh in a lot of ways very queer and mm -hmm. in a lot of ways like deeply personal traumas of dealing with trusting adult men yes. uh trusting like uh like feelings of like i think across the board we talk about uh in babes in the woods there is the mechanic of fears where it's just people have fears and it's a thing mm -hmm. that i as a gm can use and seed into the world um i think across the board every character has a fear of abandonment i yeah. think yeah. walter <laughs> might be the only one who doesn't but walter's fear of being a bad person leans into right. the other two characters being like i'm afraid that people are going to abandon me and they interact with that fear in two very different ways that also mm -hmm. really help keep momentum of the story as a whole, but also those player character dynamics, which is mm -hmm. a lot of fun. And it's like a thing that I have to balance because there's only so many times I can kind of kill people in front of these children and it feel okay. <laughs> um, tale is old as time, right? Tale it's, is oh, old as time. God. You know? The classic, like, it's been 10 days since the last time these children witnessed a murder in front of them. Oh, set it yeah. back to zero. Right. Especially thinking about what the in-fiction timeline is, oh, is very always. funny to me. Always uh, unfortunate as a, as a like, game runner. <laughs> right? Over the 29 episodes of Strangers in the Woods, a matter of five days pass. Really? <laughs> yeah. If I Oof. might be giving it a little too much. It might be four days. <laughs> it's somewhere it's somewhere between four and six days, definitely. And so much trauma can be you can find so many ways to traumatize people in six days. You know, twenty four hours is actually a lot of hours to really stick in a lot of trauma. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've heard you talk about it and tweet about it and you've mentioned it a little bit, but um, I know that you, like you said, are someone who likes to leave a lot of space at the table, right? Do you have any specifically in terms of tips or in terms of kind of things to be mindful of for, for listeners who want to kind of be a little bit more reactive in their game running and probably in their playing? Um, kind of what headspace do you keep yourself in? What, you know, do you have any kind of rules or guidelines or something like that that mm -hmm. you, you know, kind of try to bring to the table to see what people are are bringing to the table and kind of capitalize on it. Yeah. There are two big things when it comes to improv in general, uh, be it as comedy, as drama, or for a game. Um, and that is communication and listening. 
the major part of improv for me at the very least is the acceptance and acknowledgement that I am not here alone. I am doing something with a group of people and those people have ideas about what's happening. They have opinions about what's happening and they all have their own concept of how is something going to happen, especially in the endless potentiality of things that have not yet happened. Right. Um, and so the acknowledgement of that and and also like the decentering oneself from that story. It is not mm-hmm. my story that I'm telling. It is the story it is a story about my players characters. So in that way, everything that I'm doing is just supporting what it is that they are giving me as players. Um and like with that is listening to them, right? Whenever you can hear it in their voices, when you're playing something, when a player gets excited about an idea, a plan, a character, a conversation that they're having, and like being able to just sit, listen, and like understand. A lot of this has to do with understanding who it is you're playing with. And that comes with trust and vulnerability and and things you have to build up with, right? Um, but like over the course of working with people over a certain period of time, you start to learn how those people click, what little hints they're going to give you that like, oh, they're really excited about something or something is scaring them or they're afraid to do something. And like being able to pick up on those little cues and reacting to it in the way in which that they are wanting it to happen. If it's something that they're excited to do, let them do it. If it's something that they're terrified of, or like they're maybe a little hesitant on, maybe you egg them on a little bit. Be like, hey, it's okay. Do the, like, come on, just tell me what the thing is. We can see if that can happen. Or if it's something that they're terrified of in like a genre sense, then leaning in to that in a way that is safe, of course, of being like, oh, this is the thing that you're reacting to. You are reacting to me talking about your friend full of spiders. I'm going to lean in on that now. Um, And Mm -hmm. (laughs) like being able, a lot of it is just listening and being able to, react to those cues and then the other half of that the communication when you aren't able to pick up on those cues or you're not quite sure where they're leaning being able to just go hey what is it that you're interested in in this moment where is it that you want this to go yeah Mm -hmm. what is the thing that you want to do and we can figure out if that if that can happen and this is both communication both in game and also outside of game i have lots of conversations with my players of just being like hey what is it that you want to do with your character? Like, where do you imagine this going? Like, especially, uh, I have this conversation a lot with Marcy, uh, especially because Dakota is such a complex character with so much going on. Marcy and I are constantly having conversations of like, hey, what do you think it would take for Dakota to change? What would it take for like, because especially with Dakota's story, like, being very cautious and being very intentional in what I put in front of Dakota to react to is a lot of communication between me and Marcy of being like, what is it we actually want to be engaging with, with this story? And so it like, honestly, my tips come down to listen to your players and then I guess first communicate with your players and let them communicate back to you the things that they're interested in and the things that they want. And then listen to that, listen to the way that they play, listen to what gets them excited and then being able to mold what you're doing around it to support those emotions and support Mm -hmm. that interest that they have. 
Yeah, that's I think really valuable for a lot of for a lot of reasons. But I think is also something that is very apparent with Tales Yet Told, where you guys do have a very good rapport. You have a lot of that kind of like, you know, someone will throw out a kernel and then someone will pick that up and then run with it or, you know, mm-hmm. whatever the appropriate metaphor is. Um, so, so that kind of got my gears turning a little bit around you putting together Tales Yet Told. So first... Where did the switch kind of turn on for you where you were like, I want to I think I want to do something for public consumption that is an actual play? Um, so I can't believe I'm about to say this. <laughs> but Nathan, I don't know if you know this. But in 2019 there was a pandemic. <laughs> I had heard I had heard a little something about 2020 yeah. through uh every single day being yeah, yeah. a little weirder it's, than yeah. maybe you would have assumed it would be yeah uh 100 uh and so during that period of time during isolation i moved from st louis well i moved from god i moved from columbia missouri to st louis missouri and then to houston <laughs> texas um and i uh, upon moving to houston and, you know, finding a job, being able to get a bit of money, uh, and being able to, like, set up, like, buy a microphone, buy a camera. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I got into streaming on Twitch. And, like, that was really my first bit mm. of doing things for public consumption. Uh, and a lot of it, like, comes from, like, again, I did improv for, like, uh, at that point, like, five, six years. And hadn't mm-hmm. been able to perform uh, oh, for yeah, like sure. two years at that point, and we'll, we'll add you. We'll add you to the list of actual play people who are theater people whose whole thing was just absolutely <laughs> fucked by COVID. Exactly, and like <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a robust community, and it is much richer for it. Is there a support group that I can find? <laughs> I think it's called uh, Twitter.com. Oh, great, wonderful. <laughs> unfortunately, I'll get, uh, unfortunately, I'll get right all on the, that. All the all the theater people are just on there now. Is there playing a t- tabletop role playing games? Is there a Twitter circle I can join? Or something Again, where unfortunately, we talk? I think it's just most of tabletop role playing uh, game Twitter. Unfortunately, okay. Is, look at look at the guest list of Reckless mm-hmm. to Talk, and then most of those are like. Well, I was into theater, and then all the theaters closed, and so I guess I'm playing actual plays now. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is, is delightful. And again, the space is better for it, but is very, very true and pervasive. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. And, like, a lot of it was, like, I love performing for people. It feeds me. It gives me energy. I like being able to do things for people and see them react, either positively or negatively, depending on what the thing is. And... Uh, streaming was able to do that for me for a bit. And I was again, getting back into tabletop RPGs. I hadn't played and like quite a while at that point, I had been like playing on and off. I did some professional GMing where I GMed for high school students and like an after school thing. Um, I did some, I had like a game that I was playing uh, of D and D. Uh, and I, uh, I just, I don't know. I just kind of wanted to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like, I wanted, yeah, I just kind of wanted yeah. to do something. And, like, that was, like, that was that, right? I wanted to, 
I wanted to perform again. I wanted to do this thing that I was getting increasingly more invested in as it was around the time that I was getting into indie tabletop RPGs and I wanted to create in a way that wasn't just making TikTok videos of like, hey, here's how to play this game or yada, yada, yada. I wanted to be able to play with yeah. my friends uh, in <laughs> front of people because I was taking in more actual play content. It was like, this would be super cool. And there's a niche here that I would love to fill that I'm not seeing a lot of content for, which is indie tabletop games that, um, indie tabletop games that weren't specifically just like a fantasy RPG that was like taking yep. place in me yeah. medieval Europe. So, you kind of the the switch flipped ah actual play that is that is the thing that i will be doing yeah. uh and and something that when i was starting to to get into into tales yet told that i was like astonished by was how how intense and good the role playing was specifically how how clear the characters were to the players like the players would always just be like this is what my character would do and even if I know it, this is going to go very badly, mm -hmm. but it, this is the authentic, you know, this is the authentic character and we trust each other enough at the table to make these choices and kind of tell the story together. Yeah. So how did you, how did you first, you know, kind of ID who you wanted to be playing with mm -hmm. and how did you kind of start? Cause from episode one, those pistons are firing. Mm -hmm. How did you get everyone together you know, kind of, uh, and build the trust that's required to have that level of chemistry and have that level of vulnerability telling the stories that, that you tell. Do you want to know a secret? The prologue of, uh, Strangers in the, Strangers in the Woods, uh, and also technically episode one, they were filmed in the same setting. Um, that is the first time that group of people played together. No way. Yes. Uh, which is just like, I, I, amazing to me that it all came together that well yeah that's like miraculous basically. right in it's, a great way yeah right there's so many people who love their chemistry so what happened was when i first had the idea i was like okay cool i want to make an actual play podcast i also don't want to take a group of people that were already all in the same friend group um mm to play because I knew I could only have a limited amount of people. I wanted to keep it at three people at the time. That is no longer the truth. Um, which meant if I picked people from the same friend group, there would be people who would go, yeah. <laughs> why wasn't I picked? Not, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to take people that I trust people that I really do care. Not that I don't trust all of my other friends, uh, but like, these are people that I trust people that I truly do believe would give their all to both the actual making of this, but also to their characters um, and to telling a story that truly does mean something to both them and in general. Um, and then my next thought was, I also want to make sure that the show has music um, that is not just from picked off of a royalty free thing. So my first choice was like, Oh, my friend Gus, um, Gus and I went to college together. We both lived in the same fine arts dorm and he was a music composition major at the time. And I was like, Oh, Gus wanted to make stuff for films. <laughs> Gus, I've also played D and D with Gus. Uh, and I think Gus would just be fun to play with. And I think it would be great for this. So I was like, bam, Gus, awesome. Got 
Second one was Hilda. Hilda was playing in games that I was running at the time as I was sort of fizzling out of Dungeons and Dragons. We had met on a Discord server for Dropout, where like it was a side server uh, yeah, that like did a fan, like fan server kind of thing. Yeah, it was a fan server specifically for people looking for Got tabletop it. RPGs to play with each other, and we met through playing a game together, which was. Uh, Strangely enough, like a dark, gritty fairy tale uh, D&D game, which is what Dimension 20 is about to do right now, Yep, yep. Uh, which is very funny to me. And then from there, I just I had started running games for Hilda, and she has a knack of making characters that she can fully commit herself to, but also is not afraid for me to bully those characters. <laughs> very, very crucial for, very for cool. any, any game game master is, is the person who's, who hands you a knife and points out where to stab them with it. Exactly. And Hilda does that 100% of the time. And so I was like, bam. And uh, Marcy, uh, she and I were friends. We met in college. Uh, we both did film stuff together. Uh, and we had both always been like, we should play tabletop games together. Because at the time, she hadn't fully gotten into tabletop RPGs. I like. I think she had played like one or two games like before. And I knew that she loved Over the Garden Wall. Uh, and I was like, I think you would like this. And uh, she was like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And it all kind of folded together in like this strangely wow. perfect house of cards. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I would have never guessed. I would have never guessed that that was the first time you guys were like sitting down to play together in a yeah. zillion years. Because it yeah. just, it all fit. Yeah, and uh, like we and like uh, obviously before we played, we had session zeros. We had hangouts where we would just like sit down, talk, and like because that was the thing I wanted to make sure is that like these people actually did kind of mesh together, like each other, and that proved to be true. Um, and so like outside of like playing like games of Jackbox together uh, and like sitting mm -hmm. down on calls talking about our ideas for the game and stuff, like the prologue of of strangers in the woods is the first time those people play together. And it like, damn, it was in the actual use of this phrase, lightning in a bottle, um, <laughs> where like, it was like, it was amazing that it came together in the way that it did with a group of people who did not know each other, mm -hmm. like two weeks before we played. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, not to not to truncate things too much, but you have now done a full season of Tales Yet Told, which is is it was the first season twenty nine. It was twenty nine episodes. You said is that correct? Uh, quite Ish. sadly, yes. It was. Oh well. Oh yes. Oh, no, the prologue <laughs> makes it thirty episodes. Ooh. Okay. Oh, thank God. <laughs> oh my god. Could goodness. never have lived with myself. We have to go back to season one. Release one more episode. Um, but you also launched Prayers in the Static, your live streamed game, and and so and you have been creating for a, a year or like releasing officially publicly and creating and stuff tabletop mm -hmm. stuff for a year. I mean a year plus, and I don't remember exactly when launch was for you, but I think we launched just about the same time. Yeah, with my, Tales Yet Told. Yeah, I think our, our first day it was like mid September. I want to say like September. 15th around then of last year yeah of last year yeah so you you got you guys you guys were 
two weeks or two or three weeks ahead of us or something like that. Um, but so, so not only have you finished one game and just generally been running for a whole year for, again, public consumption. Yeah. But but you've also now you started season two, you're a couple episodes publicly into it. And you have prayers in the static, and you have a couple other things going, and have again played in some other places. Mm-hmm. So, what, what, how have you evolved as a storyteller, as a game master, as whatever, whatever is you know kind of most most appropriate or poignant yeah. from kind of those early days of when you were putting it together and and figuring out editing and what your workflow was and all that kind of stuff to, to who you are now, how, what have you learned and what did you take away, especially from season one to kind of to launch into season two. And of course for prayers in the static. Yeah, I think, I mean, a lot of how I've grown, I feel is that communication of like being able to talk with my players and be like, Hey, what is the thing that we're interested in? Because that wasn't always true with how uh, strangers in the woods, it was still a lot of the listening and evolving and like being able to communicate. Okay. Oh, I can tell you're interested in doing this, but a lot of the side conversations about, okay, what is the future of this character that you have in mind and how can we get to that point? A lot of those conversations didn't start happening until like, really like around our halfway mark of Strangers in the Woods, uh, right before we had our big break post the botanical carnival arc. Um, And like we had like period of time where I was like, okay, I was thinking about, okay, where do we go from here? Because that is such a huge epic like Mm -hmm. midpoint of the season that drastically changes the dynamic between all of the characters for the Mm -hmm. rest of the show. I had to sit down and be like, okay, I need to, I need to sit down and talk with these people and figure out where do you want to go with this? Yeah. What is happening? And that's become just part of our system now of how we interact with each other, communicate and tell these stories is being openly communicative about these are the things that I'm interested in. These are the things that I want to do. Um, and it's kind of carried across basically everything that I do. Um, also, I've become a lot better uh, of a producer, I feel. My production experience primarily comes from film and, like, mm-hmm. uh, video content. But, like, doing something in this uh, medium, especially with people from all over, right? People in different yeah. time zones and, like, figuring out, like, all of that technical, like, stuff. Uh, I've gotten a lot more proficient at being able to plan stuff, being able to... Um, facilitate conversations between people from all over in various time zones and being able to solidify a plan and come together and actually like execute things um which is a skill that like it just takes you kind of just have to do it right or else like it's really hard and this goes for any matter of production like learning something from an academic or intellectual standpoint is very Mm -hmm. very different from actually Mm -hmm. doing the thing yeah, um, especially when it involves other people exactly. who also have their own mindsets and needs and styles of communication and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and so, like, that's when I've been very grateful to be able to play with as many people uh, as I've been able to, playing with you, playing with uh, just so many wonderful, talented people, uh, and learning either from and taking their content or playing with them on ways that I can continue to better myself as both a storyteller, but also as a producer making content. One other kind of question that's a little bit, it's like tangential. You are doing a seasonal, obviously, for 
Tales Yet Told. And it is a drastically different, <laughs> at least externally, season mm-hmm. two than season one in that you are now, instead of being lost in the 1980s woods, uh, it's, it's it, well, what, what is it? What is it now, Kendo? Oh, pi- it's, it's Pirates. I love pirates. Pirates are good. Um, And we get to be pirates. I guess, uh, let me step back. Was that always the plan? To have different seasons and different kind of genres and stories? Mm -hmm. And what kind of went into that for you? Yeah, so it was, at least from my point of view, it was always my plan to do stories that were not just Strangers in the Woods, just because it is a story with a very clear ending at a point, um, mm-hmm. which I feel like good stories do. Uh, or mm, uh, that's not always true. I think that there are a lot of very good stories that have open ended, like, and life moves on and people keep yeah, going, yeah, and yeah, moving, yeah. which I think is really cool. I think all good, I think most good stories should have that kind of embedded in it in some way, shape, or form. Um, but as far as, like, the telling of a story, there should be a point where you stop telling the story. Yeah. There's an arc. Yes, exactly. An ending. Exactly. Um, and that was, like, conceptually for me, like, always true. That there would be an ending for it. And I wanted to keep doing it. So by the nature of that, there would have to be different things yeah. that we did. Um, but the way in which we did it, like, rather than, like... Just, okay, we're going to tell Strangers in the Wood all the way through and then move on to something else. A a lot of that came through, I was listening to a lot of Friends at the Table uh, when I was starting to make this podcast. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is the the mode in which they operate, where um, Seasons of Hyron spans three different seasons over the course of like, like, like five, six years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. and it was, and it was and it was really interesting being able to like listen to that and hear how they change from season to season of the same story having now had the experience of like 2 years playing a completely different thing um but also i think uh, content wise uh from and this is going to be uh, me getting into uh, my content creator uh uniform is that audiences are uh very What's the word I'm trying to use? Resistant. There we go. Audiences are resistant to change. As soon as something mm. changes, yep. a lot of people tend to fall out of a thing, especially if Definitely. a thing has been going on long enough. We see it with um, the Adventure Zone uh, and the switch from balance to amnesty where a lot of their audience ended up having this huge negative reaction to it because it wasn't the thing that they had spent like four or five years making at that point um and it was just something new and different and that was a thing that i really wanted to avoid tales yet told does not equal strangers in the woods strangers in the woods is a part of it but there are always going to be more stories that we are telling and it was a conversation that i ended up having with my players because we didn't know when we were going to end season one and it was really my pitch of being like hey we need to end this at a point um and if i had that conversation had had that conversation earlier with them we probably would have ended around the midpoint of what is season one we would have what ended up being our break post the botanical carnival probably that would have been season one we would have done something else and then come back uh and then what is now season one would look entirely different right but i really 
I really wanted to make sure that a we didn't get burnt out on strangers in the woods doing a single campaign for any amount of time people burnout is going to happen right and so i wanted to make sure that we were still fresh with what we were telling that we were still interested and energized and sometimes taking a step back and taking a break is what you need to be able to do that and also there's so much stuff you can learn by playing a different game and then coming back to your the yeah. story you were telling and being like, oh, here's all these new ways that I can play with it that I didn't have the perspective of because I didn't have the experience of doing something else right. yeah. during that period of time. And so that really that mindset is really what made me like push hard and like, hey, we need to find a point to end it. I have a good idea of when we're gonna end it. And I think we should start doing other smaller stuff before we come back to it. Um, and there was conversations back and forth about pros and cons. Um, but I think ultimately we all agreed that, A, we were really excited to try something new. Because we had all, mm -hmm. by that, we knew that we were going to do new things. But it's always been after Strangers in the Woods was done. Um, but we decided that it had to come sooner uh, both because we felt like this was, we were at a good stopping point. If we are going to stop now is the point yeah. to stop before we continue on. Um, and also like, we just had all these other ideas for other new mini arcs, new main season stuff, new things that we wanted to do. That was like, Hey, we can dip our toes into some of these things before we get back into strangers in the woods. Yes. Um, which uh, has been super exciting. We've been really enjoying playing Whispers in the Sea, uh, which at this point is still like a mini arc because it's it's in its it's in its beta testing phase. We're trying to see how like if a we are interested in these characters and we want to tell longer stories with them. Oh, and also if our audience likes the story, right? Because if they don't and it's not attached to them, like okay, cool. Well, let's try one of the other things, right? Um, and so that was that's kind of where we're at right now, but it, I'm, I'm really glad that we've gone this route because I could very much see a point where we're like another year in and we're still doing strangers in the woods. And we're just like trudging along, having been like telling the same stories, the same characters for like two years. And then like, we finally finish it and we're kind of burned out and we're like, okay, we need to find that's over. Now we got to find something else to do. Hey, what's the new thing. Yeah. What's the new, Hey everybody. Well, watch this thing. And then everyone's like, ah, but that's not strangers in the woods. Um, which I mean, is fine. Like that, the audience is not like the audience is not beholden to have to listen to us. Right. That is right. Yeah. a thing we have to understand as content creators. So that's why we bend and give a little bit to kind of cater to what they want. And that is again, why I wanted to do this as early as we possibly could mm -hmm. to kind of, um, telegraph that, Hey, Strangers in the Woods is good. We love Strangers in the Woods. It's so much fun. That is not all we have to give. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, speaking of trying a lot of different things, I wanted to talk a little bit about Praise in the Static, specifically because it's a pretty big departure and is a very interesting thing to, like, to, to pivot to in that it is live. It is on Twitch, and also it's it's sci-fi, and is <laughs> is is not your podcast and all that kind of thing. So, what not only was the interest for you to kind of go that direction, but what was the kind of similar kernel of this is the story that's interesting to me, or mm -hmm. the kind of themes that I want to explore um, to to kind of like take you in that that direction? Yeah, 
So I had the idea of what would eventually become Prayers in the Static while I started watching Gundam. Um, uh, my, uh, my partner, Ellis, uh, who is in Whispers in the Sea, their sibling introduced me both to friends at the table and also Gundam. Thank you, sibling. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Ian, if you're watching or listening. <laughs> you can be watching, you know, the, the progress bar on, yeah. on Spotify or iTunes or yeah. ooh, not iTunes either. Whatever. You get it. <laughs> yeah or apple podcast whatever it's the one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah whatever uh <laughs> um uh but yeah but they got me into gundam and i started from the 1970s gundam uh which is kind of like the impetus of like the universal century timeline of gundam uh and the idea of this conflict between people who live on earth and people who uh, have distant generational ties to earth being like yeah hey wait why why do we still listen to them (laughs) was like really was really deeply interesting to me um and uh i also am a huge fan of the cyberpunk genre uh and i uh, of course went okay this is really interesting the core of this is really interesting what if also capitalism was a part of this? And this is, mm-hmm. of course, around the time where Elon Musk is like, we're, uh, we're going to build like a colony on Mars. And it's basically <laughs> just going to be a, a, a factory town colony that's like, this is, yeah, this is just a corporate. 1800s. Exactly. You'll have, you'll have Musk bucks, and that's where you'll get your, your, you get your company script food. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And so I was like, okay, this is really interesting. What if this happens, right? What if a bunch of billionaires go, okay, cool. Earth kind of sucks right now, partially because of us. Um, And (laughs) we're like, we're just going to build colonies. We're going to slowly, hey, this is going to be great for all of us. This is super cool. Like, imagine, oh... Uh, no longer we have the 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 climate constraints and the and the space constraints of earth what if we just build it all out in the stars you know the future of humanity expanding across the solar system across the galaxy that'd be super great wouldn't that be awesome earth also we don't really want to be a part of you anymore (laughs) (laughs) also deuces yeah um Things on Earth suck, and we're tired of giving resources to help you all live on <laughs> Earth. Sorry that the we- sorry that the climate is deteriorating. Don't know how that happened. We're also going to take all of the cool people that those being all of the people who can help make that change. Also, we're going to take all of the resources, and we're going to bounce. Um, and like that was like my original idea for prayers in the static. Um, uh, and also, like, kind of going along, uh, you see this kind of in uh, Tales Yet Told, especially in Strangers in the Woods, where we kind of hop systems a little bit. And that's always been something that's deeply, deeply interesting to me, mm-hmm. of being able to find ways to tell a cohesive story across a number of different systems yeah. that support different parts of that story that other systems can't, right? And so... I loved the idea of like, okay, I have a vague idea of what this world is. Um, I also don't really want to sit down and like build out uh, this weird sci-fi world that's going to have like thousands of years of history, so on and so forth. What if we 
instead of me sitting down and like building out an entire world and setting, what if we build it out as we play? That's one of the great things about a lot of games is being is the um, ways in which players give to the setting in the world based on decisions that they're making, based on factions that they create during character building and all of that really interesting stuff. What if we take that and use it on a macro level and rather than that just informing the one game, it informs an mm-hmm. entire setting. If every game that we play is constantly adding on to the lore and history of how things happen in the world how like and like seeing the ways in which those splinter off into new ideas where something that we come up in our first microscope game where we're building out the world spirals out into, oh the like one like kind of weird uh paramilitary faction that accidentally gets control of all of texas uh outside of austin ends up surviving for thousands of years by splintering off into a bunch of different groups that have this core idea of freedom and whatever that means to people mm-hmm. um, and splintering off into all these other different philosophies and ideas that are like rooted in like just this weird, <laughs> this weird libertarian paramilitary org that was just, we got to take care of our own. Um, right. But like the practice of like putting seeding a, a world wherein mm-hmm. you can just keep pulling on weird strings to be like, well, okay, well then, what does this mean then? And if that's that, then what about this? And then how does that? And then suddenly mm-hmm. you have a weird, uh, just like, yeah, Texas Freedom Coalition yeah. or whatever. The, the Servants <laughs> of Freedom is what they're called. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, that it, that was like really interesting to me. And uh, I reached out to my friend, Ibrahim, who is my co-host and truly my rock uh when it comes to phenomenal individual absolutely i i truly could not do prayers in the static without ibrahim uh he is a wonderful individual so incredibly creative and talented and passionate especially about sci-fi i didn't even know that ibrahim liked sci-fi until after i asked him <laughs> to do it was prayers too late yeah, where uh, Ibrahim and I met through TikTok. We were a part of Beggar Talk, and we oh, played. Really? Yeah, and we played in a total of two games with each other before this. Uh, two like total games where we were in a, a worldwide wrestling game together. Uh, it was a streamed campaign. It was so much fun. And then we were also in a Vessen one shot together. Um, and the vibes were right. I knew that he could play characters. I knew he would be a fun person to play with. And I was like, okay, Ibrahim, let's, would you be interested in this? And then he goes, Kendrick, I don't know if you know this, but I love (laughs) (laughs) sci-fi. So yes. So exactly. Um, and it's been like truly amazing seeing all of the different things that people bring to the table and bring to our world, uh, that is truly not uh, like I say our, but like not just me and Ibrahim's, but it is all of ours mm-hmm. who's ever yeah, our collectively. Exactly. That was one of the biggest things that I wanted out of Prayers in the Static was I wanted to create a setting that was truly a community built world that could hopefully eventually be used by everyone. Like that, my end goal, or not 
end goal but a goal that i have is like Mm -hmm. once we have enough i want to put together a setting book of everything that everyone has added to this world so that people other people can play in it because there's so much and because it's system neutral because by like by the very nature of it it was built out of so many different games yes it will have a variety of tone of genre of like you could look at this world this timeline and truly find any story to be able to tell in it and i think that's what's really cool about it and i'm I'm really excited to see what it ends up looking like in the future especially as we're currently in the process of finding new ways to evolve our stream and find new ways to bring on guest gms and like people who aren't just me and ibrahim to to run games and tell stories in this world that we're all building together And and i'm very excited for it the last question, I'm forcing myself to ask one last question. I don't, I hate it. I'm very upset about it. Uh, but I'll ask one last question about Prayers in the Static. Mm-hmm. Because it is, it is not just Prayers in the Static. It is the award-winning Prayers in the Static. It is the award-winning uh, Prayers in the Static. As of, as of recording this uh, in the last, what, week? week? Two weeks? I don't remember. Time is difficult. You may, <laughs> dear listener, you may have heard uh, there was a pandemic happening. And that... <laughs> That really messes up time and space. Yeah. Uh, the New Jersey Web Festival. Uh, you you guys got some recognition. First of all, what 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 did you what did you win? <laughs> what did I, well, okay. So, um, Tales Yet Told uh, won. Uh, yeah. Right. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I was going to say it right. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Dramatically turning around. <laughs> um. Tales Yet Told, the podcast, won Best Ensemble Cast, which again just goes to show how much chemistry those Mm -hmm. those talented group of people have and how wild it is that they've (laughs) never played a game together before it or even met each other. I am the only person who has met in person anybody on the cast. (laughs) It Uh, works, it works, baby. Right? You know, the... There was a pandemic. Uh, and you may have heard. You may have heard. Um, so, Tales Yet Told won Best Ensemble Cast, and Prayers in the Static won Best GM of a live stream, uh, which mm-hmm. still baffles me <laughs> to this day, um, specifically for our game of, uh, of Majesty and Agony, which was our Mothership game, which uh, was GM'd by me, uh, had Ibrahim playing... Uh, Dr. Imhoa Bridge uh, had Oleander, who is at Stray Nerd Boy, playing Cameron, um, and had uh, Joe or Josephine, who is at Scary Dog Friend, playing Nico Scarlet. Um, a wild cast of characters who mm-hmm. <laughs> came together to tell this horrifyingly emotionally poignant. Uh, story about what it means to be human and like forgiveness and like the power of choice and it's uh it's so good uh i love majesty and agony it's very very great um you should go uh watch the vods if you haven't it's on youtube I don't know the link off the top of my head because that YouTube channel doesn't have enough subscribers to have a YouTube.com for. Don't worry, it'll be in the it'll be in the in the in the note the oh. show notes. Oh, thank you, thank you so much. Um, but yeah, that is yeah, those are the things we want. <laughs> how how do you feel about 
awards and about getting them and getting obviously again so one of them is for you specifically as part of of course a greater a greater context of playing game and no one plays a game alone Mm -hmm. um and also of something obviously that you guys all worked on as ensemble cast what especially now that you're a couple weeks out or whatever amount of time out yeah (laughs) i've also forgotten (laughs) whatever it was but like what how how do you how do you feel about that how are you experiencing it and you know kind of what was you know what does that mean to you or what does it not mean to you yeah so i i feel like in general i have a very hesitant view on awards award shows um depending on how they are structured and run there are some that kind of boil down to just kind of being popularity contests they're voted on by the public if you have enough followers and you can get your followers to go and vote on your thing the chance of you going to win is uh, very high uh there are other ones that are like privately like jurored right where they where they get specific judges to go and judge on the thing. Uh, and then that can also vary on quality based on how invested those judges are in actually doing the thing. Um, if there is any kind of like a monetary or financial like kind of thing, there's like so much, right? It was like, yeah, I don't. And, and just tastes and, you know, whatever. It's exactly. complicated. Like, there's a reason I do not watch the Oscars. <laughs> Like, I, I, I have very strong feelings on how specific awards, festivals and stuff are, are run. But there's something about the New Jersey Web Fest that I really, really deeply love. Especially, like, being able to experience it firsthand. Where it very much is a festival that is, like, for creators. And, like, the people who run it are also creators. And, like, the judges are like within the industry and like are also to a certain degree like creators and like it is not a festival that you go to because you're trying to sell your thing to a producer who might be there to to watch it like a lot of film festivals are it was very much just being there with other people who are passionate Mm -hmm. about doing the thing and being able to celebrate our work and that alone was so incredibly impactful especially because this was the first year that they let actual play stuff really yeah. be its own thing within the the broader space it was the second year that like actual play was a part of uh the whole thing i believe and then the first year that streams were brought on um and it was really interesting being in that space where the vast majority of people are there for either um audio fiction that's not actual play stuff or being there for web series stuff and there were the vast majority of people who weren't already within the actual play space had no idea what we did we're like yeah. the, the yeah. first the first day we got there i was there with uh the uh aaron and v from queen's court games and like we get there and it's like it's thursday it's like not a lot of people are there you know, uh, and the first panel, they had all of the audio fiction people come up, who was the three of us and one other person who was a part <laughs> of a narrative fiction thing. And, like, the vast majority of the panel was just people being like, what is it that you all do? And, like, being able to see over the course of those days, people slowly, as they're seeing screeners and as they're watching stuff and as we're having conversations over drinks and lunch and all these things, like, the the switch click for them and they go, yeah. oh, <clears throat> I get it. 
and this is interesting. Like that validating, like That's cool. someone who doesn't even play tabletop games, seeing the art we're creating and being like, that mm-hmm. is art and it is cool was oh. so wild. So that alone was great. But then winning the <laughs> awards on top of it was like, it was icing on the cake because there's something so validating, especially sure. being in a space that is so creator focused and feels so authentic and genuine in a way in which it, supports and wants to celebrate creators being like hey we think you did a good job so much so that we think you did better than other people (laughs) who we also think did a good job and we're gonna give you an award saying that it's such a wild feeling i the first award that we got of the two was the game master one. So it was one that was specifically for me. Yeah. And it was also the one that I was, I was like, there's no way I'm going to win the live stream game master one, especially because our game for majesty and agony. I felt, especially in like the first two episodes, I felt so off balance because it was a game I'd never played before. Like watching that thing, you can tell that I'm unfamiliar with those rules, but I'm doing the best that I can. And so the fact that, they saw that and thought this person is still good at their job and being able to facilitate a story that has some kind of meaning and a value that we're going to say that this person was better than other people who were probably playing games that they knew how to play was so like, I cry, I cry, I cried. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of photos of me crying. Not unreasonable at all. Cause it, it was, I, it's still so wild to me and so insanely validating in a way that it's really hard to describe especially having done this like having done prayers in the static for less than a year but doing tales yet told as a whole for like just slightly over a year and like being in the space where there are people who have done this for way longer than me and like being able to have a space within Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. and being awarded anything is so wild to me and i am so truly grateful for not just i mean i could not do it without my players and the people Mm -hmm. who have helped get me to this point either through just like actual like emotional support and like being able to get me through because as you know my job is also content creation and so it is, I do this as a hobby and then I do my regular, <laughs> my yep. regular job where all I do is edit and do videography and do this. So like being like, this is a thing that I have helped create for myself and with my friends. That is not just a job that someone else gives me to create content for them. And people saying, this is good, actually. It's it's unbelievable. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I still have a hard time finding the words for yeah. how it has so deeply affected me. Well, there's a lot of folks who are very excited and very proud of you guys. So well done. Thumbs up to, I, to all of you guys. And I thank um, them for saying so. <laughs> Kendo. Yes. It is now time mm-hmm. for the Reckless Talk lightning round. I'm I ready. tell everyone there are no wrong answers. It can be one word. It can be... Oh, I don't have a good answer for that. Or it can be like, well, let me tell you this 30-minute long story. These are all valid. I, I will do my best to just shut up and let you answer questions. Uh, are you ready? I am ready. Question one. Is your glass half full or half empty? 
it used to be half empty, but within the past couple of years, it's now more half full. What excites you creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Being able to share stories that I care about with the people that I care about. What does not excite you creatively, spiritually, and emotionally? Making things just for the sake of making them. What's your favorite sound? Huh. Uh, um. Rain against a glass pane. What sound do you hate? I don't hate any sound. What is your favorite word? I don't know if I have one now, but there was a point in which I did. <laughs> and that, <laughs> and partially because it, people said that, weirdly enough, it sounded good when I said it. And that word is bitch. Um, <laughs> I had a lot of friends who would tell me, for some reason, it just sounds good when you say it. And I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to disagree with them, I suppose. Yeah, well, uh, nor am I. <laughs> What's your least favorite word? Grippers. Who? What tabletop role-playing game slash D&D slash etc. monster have you not faced or run that you would love to? And of course, you can get as buck wild with that as you'd like to. Yeah. I have never run a mind flayer. Mm. And I think it would be a very interesting villain to... Or not even just a villain, very interesting character to 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 run. What is your favorite adventure of all time? And it can be movie, it can be written, it could be one that you consumed, it can be whatever, whatever that means to you. My favorite adventure. I oh oh no. I don't want to say this because it feels narcissistic, but it might be Strangers no. in the Wood. Yeah, no, and like it was the if it it can be the whole thing. It can be oh yes, this one specific adventure. It can be whatever. That is oh yeah, of course, of course, yeah, okay. that's le totally legitimate. Okay, cool. Within Strangers in the Wood, I think my favorite adventure is. This the 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 sublime school for lost children. What is your favorite tabletop role playing game character of all time? And it can be yours. It can be an NPC. It could be one you played with. It could be again one that you um you know uh, watched and enjoyed. Ooh, oh oh god, my favorite. That's hard. Probably because of recency bias, I am playing a character in a masks game. Uh, her name is Julia Johnson. Her superhero name is Jewel. She was a streamer, not so much anymore. Uh, and the arc that that character has gone has helped me process a lot of uh, feelings that I have about being a content creator. <laughs> and the way in which, in a lot of ways, it is self-destructive and uh, dehumanizing. Last question. What gives you hope? 
I can't believe I'm going to say this, uh, but the indomitable human spirit and that Mm -hmm. humans be them as a group or either as the macro, all of humanity or smaller groups or even individuals have been able to overcome so much and continue to try, at least in some ways, create spaces in a world that is empathetic, caring, and good for other people. And that there will always be people who are fighting for a better world. With that, Kendo, you have run the Reckless Attack Gauntlet. Congratulations. Oh, thank, thank you God. so much. I know. <laughs> oh, oh, you really ran me through the ringer there. Uh, well, you know, that's the standard we like to hold ourselves to here. It's is a, a grueling experience. It's fun for no one. <laughs> fun for no one except the for listener. no one. Hopefully the listener, but, Hopefully. you know, whatever. Um, please remind everyone who is listening uh, where they can find you, who you are, how best for you, all the good things. Hello again, I have been Kendrick, or Kendo, whichever you prefer, and you can find me everywhere on the internet at Kendo Makes Films, and you can find my actual play podcast at Tales Yet Told on Twitter and Instagram, and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch uh, Prayers in the Static when it comes back. I guess by the time you're listening to this, it has come back, and you can hey. find yeah, and you can find it on Twitch.tv forward slash nameless domain uh we uh uh we it's every other friday uh go go to the tales yet told twitter to find out when the next episode is <laughs> going be to there. be we'll figure yeah. it out you'll there'll be there are links don't worry there's links in the things if you want to go check it out just click there yeah 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 and you can go listen to roar to heaven uh also wherever you yes. get your podcasts and you can find it on twitter at roar to heaven kendo Thank you so deeply very much for all of your time and all of your excellence. Uh, really appreciate you. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, we'll, 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 you want to have one last, one last, the final word, I guess? Uh, I appreciate you so much, Nathan. Uh, I'm going to mm. do the, the classic talk show thing. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been a blast. <laughs> um, I've had so much fun. Um, and I, I, I love, I always love talking to you. And this has been truly a great time. Uh, and I, uh, uh, yeah, um, go. Actually, no. If I'm getting the last word, then I'm going to do yeah. my sign off. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. want to say nice shit about me. Uh, okay, I no, was that's like, fair. Kendo will say the word "but" right at the end, and no. like, well, guess that's getting in. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the um, classic sign off. The classic sign off. Hey, don't forget to go out, eat enough food, drink enough water, get enough sleep, and take care of yourself. Because self-care is very important, especially in the days we're living in now. And don't forget to love yourself like I love you. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye, bitch.